How's it going, guys? I'm Zeke. And I'm Jay. And you're listening to the Cinema Sideshow Podcast, episode 14. 14. Damn, son. Wow. Done pretty well. We missed the lucky number. I think last week was the lucky number. Oh, no, that's the unlucky number. Yeah. Oh, maybe it's yeah, a good thing. How did you not know that? How did you think 13 was a lucky number? Shh. Okay, well, that's burn of the norm. We I, think talk- one of my, I think one of my friends was a favourite number. That's why. Back I in the see. Day, back in the day. Edgy. I got it, I got it edgy. <laughs> um, <laughs> she was very edgy. Well, as per the norm on the Cinema Sideshow Podcast, we talk about a movie every week. This week, we have our third director's corner Week early. That's right. But yeah. that's because it is a very important episode 15, which we will talk about later on in the show. Later on in the show. Just as our director's corner comes later on in the show. It's the Russo Brothers' first film, Welcome to Collingwood. Ooh. Picked by Jake. Yeah. This time around, so that's pretty sweet. I think I picked two in a row now. You have to you have to pick I'll our to next back. Yeah, you pick our next director's. Sure, I can uh, think of something. I'm sure you can. Yeah. But well, I have, an, I have an idea. I'm kidding. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm all right. No, I'm good. You want to hijack the show? Yeah. No, I've had a good. I've had a good week. Like we talked about. I mean, it looks like we're slowly catching back on track. So we've yeah. had a bit of a shorter week. It's the Easter Monday edition. Easter Monday edition. I like it. Well, like because we recorded, we got it out last Wednesday. The episode. Yep. So it's, it's only been a few days, but we had our Easter break, and it's like, oh, yeah, it's been really good. I've had Absolutely. a nice relaxation period. It's nice to have a bit of recharge to the old batteries. Yeah, that's no, good. Did you have a recharge? To some... No, not really. I'm feeling, I'm feeling pretty recharged, honestly. Okay. Well, you've couple... kept busy this weekend. I have. I've been doing a bit of shooting. Got very badly sunburned yesterday. Yeah, I know. Um, as you saw. Um, but yeah, no, just keeping busy. But not like a bad kind of... Not, not overworked busy. A which... nice, calm busy. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I'd go crazy if I have too many days off. Admittedly, mm. funny thing happened. Fair enough. On Friday, I woke up and was very ready to go and do everything. And had do nothing everything to do. And have no- had nothing to world. do. And so I watched a couple of movies, which I'll talk about very shortly. Okay. But I had the first ever revelation I've ever had, I think, in probably close to a year now, where I was contemplating playing a video game. Me too. We talked about this. Yeah. Which I know this is yeah. a film... Film-focused podcast, but, uh, you know, we do like our video games too, and uh, we both had that revelation. Yeah, no, I had I had that thing. I woke up Friday or Saturday morning, and mm-hmm. it, it, it felt like I was back in high school because it was that thing of weekdays, you go to school. Weekends, you relax. And yeah. Like, it's like, that's how long it's been since I've had, like, a weekend where I can relax. And you're right. Exactly. I had the exact same feeling of, like... I could play some Red Dead 2 tonight. Yeah. I was we thinking about going it. back into Skyrim, but yeah. I knew it wouldn't come back out again. So Could replay God. You you need to play... Have you ever played the old God of Wars? No. No. Because they, they, they did the reboot, or the, the new God of War that came out a year ago. Mm-hmm. Basically now. It was a year ago um, when we shot Faces in the Crowd. There we was go. was a year ago. Was a year ago, what, three days ago? Yeah, the 20th of April we 20th, wrapped yeah, so two days ago. out of a two-day shoot. And that was mm. the same day that God of War came out. And I'm excited because they're making a documentary about the making of that game. Mm. And I'm really excited because that game is super, super, super important. That was pretty impressive year. how you managed to tie that back to a film. That oh, of course, sweet. of course, man. No, I'm excited. It's called Raising Kratos, and they're just going to throw it up on YouTube apparently mm. some whenever. Cool. So I'm really excited about it because it looks good. It might, it's in the same vein of that Last of Us making of Doco, which is a great Doco, but it didn't seem as... I don't think they handled the um the whole pressure of it as well as this doco is looking to be. And I think this doco is more legs to ground because God of War is an established icon in gaming that they've essentially had to rebuild. And there was a lot of pressure into doing that, especially with the director, Corey, Corey Barlow. 
And I really am excited for that doco because I think it's going to really tap into that kind of nervousness and that yeah that kind of level of anxiety in the making of something. And I always like I always like docos and products that go into the making of things. You know. Yeah, and it was a, it's been a pretty it's been a pretty chill week compared to the last couple of weeks. We've been pretty burnt out with uh, last. You know, we can talk about more our career stuff a little bit later. But right now, yeah. let's do what we always do. What did you watch this week, Jake? There's a couple of things. So I, I'll start with my... Um, well, firstly, and I mentioned this last week, that uh, on Wednesday night, me and me, me Ma, yes. uh, we had a preview screening or a day early screening, whatever it was, of The Curse of the Weeping Woman. Mm. Um, so I watched that and I was I was surprised by how much I didn't mind it. I was actually... Wow. Kind of, I mean, I, I said this to you, I never like went into detail, but I told you that I was like surprised by how much I enjoyed it and you were... You're like, wow. Yes, because okay. the trailer didn't do anything for me. Yeah, I didn't even, like, all I remember from the trailer is that scene where the kid's in the bathroom and then the hands yeah. creep up and that. And they're good They're good kid actors. I think I think I, what I liked about the film is that it was, they actually did work as a family unit mm-hmm. um, and they worked together to kind of fight this this beast. And you, you can go back to Exorcist, and even though the Exorcist is a fantastic movie, this the one thing that, even though it works in that movie, but it did frustrate me that they don't do here is that it takes takes a really long time for the family to really like, okay, there's a, like a monster of some kind yeah. here. It takes a very long time. And it works with that film, works with the pacing, but I appreciated in this film that they just jumped in. Nope, everyone kind of understands what's going on. Oh, okay, there's this, you know, creepy woman that's mm-hmm. kind of haunting us or trying to kill the kids and uh yeah so i enjoyed that and i kind of enjoyed the the bit of the lore building around it because it's based on like real like actual stories yeah um and even having like i said i watched it with mum and even she was talking about how um kind of the folktale stuff that this is based around is very much what the kind of folktales you would get uh in like early europe or like our portuguese family for example like the kind of stories that so that was quite fun. Okay. I did appreciate that. Although I got to give a shout out to Chris Struckman, um, who's a great YouTube reviewer or uh, film reviewer on YouTube, who pointed out something that I didn't really think about, but kind of wish they did, is that this film would have been a lot better if it actually just took place in like Mexico, or it actually took place where the origin of this folktale mm. actually started. And yeah, Struckman's always pretty good at picking those things he's up. A, he's a good. He's a good reviewer. Like I give him a lot of credit because he knows what he's talking about. You're yeah. right. Um. But he made that comment, and I think it resonates in terms of the look, in terms of the actual story, and being faithful to the folktale and stuff. I agree, it should have been in Mexico. But it was, it was a fine movie. I didn't realize it was actually a part of the, um, like the Conjuring cinematic universe. Oh, really? Like, yeah, apparently it's like the sixth film in the series. I don't really know. I think what the Annabelle series is related to so it. So I feel like they've been getting progressively better then, haven't they? Those Conjuring films, because um, they or well, they started never... good and then dipped off. And I feel like these that Annab- the last two Annabelle films have been pretty well received. Is yeah, that the idea? Creation definitely got really okay. well. The one with Miranda Otto and stuff wow, like that. I haven't seen any of those. I'm not a big horror fan. No, I'm not either. But um, I appreciate a good horror film, and um, I didn't mind this one. It was a little like on the tropey side, but I enjoyed. Like I said, like the family in words are good, good acting, all that. You got Raymond probably Cruz gonna, in probably, here. Probably going to be better than uh, uh, what's that? The new Chucky remake that's oh, coming yeah. out soon. I haven't seen anything. I know Ooh. Mark Hamill was Chucky. Speaking about like if we were to branch into that trailer talk, then yeah, that I saw that trailer in the last week. I haven't seen it. Was not good. Oh, not good. Yeah. Was, it was Did Mark good. Hamill seem alright as like Chucky? Mark's a really good voice actor, isn't yeah, he? He's, he's, he's pretty much actor. branched out and been quite adept, definitely with all the Joker cartoons. Right? Oh yeah! His... Oh my god, his Joker's amazing though. Yeah, yeah. 
And he was the one in... Was he the one in the Batman games too? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Arkham. He was so. in all the, all the Arkham games as Joker. Well, except um, Origins was like Troy Baker. But he's also great. Okay. He's a great Joker. But um, Hamill, man. So what did you catch this week? Kills it. Well, you got anything else to add um, to your weeping... Not really. I really enjoy. It. I just want to talk shit about the theater because we were in the worst. Like okay, s- s- worst second week in a row of lambasting know, theaters. Is this like the third week though? Might be the third week now. No, we were fighting with my family was all right. No, and us was all right. Yeah. No quarrels with those crowds, but quarrels with um, what the hell? Shazam! Our Shazam crowd. Shazam like crowd kids was in really front bad. Of us. And then this crowd was just horrifically bad. We had we had the people to the left of us like laughing every second. It's like. Okay, it's a horror film. Mm-hmm. You're not smart for laughing at a horror film. Mm-hmm. Just relax. And you got the people on our right who are like scared out of their mind. Like, there's a pixel change on the screen, and they're like, ah, ah, and I'm like, I'm gonna punch you in a minute. Wow. And this chick was like older than me. Okay. That's crazy. Like, and she was like acting like a five year old in that film. Like, oh my god. Fair. I just I could not stand it, man. I don't know. Um. But yeah, no, not a lot. I mean, I, I do, I do want to give like a couple of little smart little. This is the thing. There were a couple of little details in there I liked. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously the the main actress in it is um I forget her name, but she played um, uh, was it Velma in Scooby Doo? Oh really? Film? Yeah. I don't no, know. Velma's the nerdy one, yeah, or was it? Yeah. Da- yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and they did have a little thing, and one of the kids was watching a Scooby Doo cartoon. Oh, in funny. there, and they had like a little neat um, of course, Red Rooster reference in. There. I think it was Red Rooster or some sort of like. Fast food tech because it takes place in the seventies, okay. so it was like on these like weird trays and stuff. Um, but I thought it was a little clever note where she makes a comment early in the film about how she gets takeout food to make the kids like feel a little less crappy about like their father passing away, sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And then after like one of the horror scenes where they get their spooks, is this the scene of her she buys the takeout for them or puts it down? I thought that was a little clever non-verbal way of her like her as a parent trying to comfort her kids but not really knowing how to do it. Yeah, under these extreme, I thought there was a little clever stuff. But yeah, you know this film is actually called uh, The Curse of La Llorona in other countries? Apparently we're the, st- we're the stupid country because we get Weeping Woman. I see. Not the unpronounceable version of the title. I think as a multicultural country we would actually get the La Llorona version, but yeah, I guess not. Think. I'm annoyed by that. I always get like Philosophers and Sorcerer's Stone, stuff like I just I hate when they do that. They change the names for I dumb think audiences. So. It's the westernized thing, yeah, yeah. I don't know. That annoyed me. Um, Yeah, don't have much else to say. There was some odd editing choices, but cinematography was nice. Directing was nice. It was, I enjoyed it. It was nice. Yeah, <laughs> it was. It was nice for a horror horror film. film. No, um, I I recommend it. It's fine. Watch it. Feel if you like mm-hmm. horror. Yeah, but yeah. What what have you seen? I've seen more, but I wanna I wanna bounce back to yeah. That. What um, have you seen? So I caught Animal Kingdom for the first That's time. That's right. So I wanted to bump into the Australian corner of things, and might I say, because a lot of people have talked about Animal Kingdom, at least in university for us and mm. in and out like as that is the Australian film to watch. Yeah. Um and I mean it has a pretty star studded cast, a lot yep. of pretty strong Hollywood heads. I mean you've got Joe Edgington, uh Ben Mendelssohn. Right, yeah. So you've really got those strong uh So what they like fly over for this sort of thing? I guess they must have. Yeah. I mean it's only a two thousand and nine film. I thought it was much older than two thousand and nine oh, okay. when I then I got the. That's still a solid ten years now. Yeah. yeah. Um. So I imagine Mendelssohn, although it's pretty big now, probably wasn't as big back then, and Joel wasn't as big back then. They were they were big enough to be put in the Hollywood discussion, but now yeah. I would say that they're well 
firm in Hollywood now. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Um, and this film was very strong. Mm. Was, I very much enjoyed it from start to finish. Uh, I don't want to spoil it, even though it's 10 years old, which is... Well, fine, I'll spoil Okay, okay he's going to yeah. spoil it. Um, it's a, it really Spoiler is a good film. Alert. It's a really good um, kind of a character crime drama between a family of... It's an Australian crime drama. Yeah. And there's something about Australian crime dramas I've always enjoyed more than international, like, American crime dramas. I is think it because we're just a messed up nation? <laughs> I feel like we have a really good, like, I've always, that's why I really enjoyed the underbelly sort of stuff too. Right, yeah. Um, yeah. Because we really do have sort of a different kind of grit in Australia, which yeah. is almost more uncomfortable. I think that's why Hounds of Love's so good. Cause right, it's like, yeah. Got a really, I think if that was an American film, I don't think it would be, maybe because it would get lost in that, that fold. Of, yeah, yeah. Because there's see. so many American thrillers. Um, like psychological and serial killer yeah, thrillers yeah, yeah. out there, that almost the fact that it's based in like suburbia Australia makes that film more effective. I think you're right. Like Australia has this like interesting way of tackling. You're right. Like underbelly yeah. stuff. Like, underbelly was like huge. Yeah, it was huge at the time. You know, and um, it just has that unique flavor to it that Australia is some not in a stereotypical way. No, not you're not getting stabbed by a kangaroo or anything. No, but, no, like, no. but like interestingly, you're right. Uniquely gritty. And you stuff. would think because we're Australian, we would actually go away from these kinds of films because yeah. they're a bit too yeah. close to us. Where like like I imagine Americans don't like watching the American sort of stuff maybe right. as much. Um, but no, I think I'm more drawn to them because they. They just have this cool grit about them. Yeah. And this one wasn't based on a true story, I don't think. There wasn't any post or pre-credits. Make or any... a point of it, yeah. So that made me even more happy because it just was a story. Yeah, yeah. Um, That was very situated in Australia. It was just really good. Like, I awesome. would absolutely... I'm going to try that. You bought it, eh? Yeah, I did. I, I, I would happily rewatch it with you. Nice. Because um, I think it's one of those films, the more you go back to, the more you enjoy it. Because I think... The second and third viewing I had of Hounds of Love, I enjoyed way more than my first mm. viewing. Just everything about both those films really yeah. showcased. This one felt... I think what everyone likes about this film is it feels like it's pushing towards almost Hollywood-level production. Right. Like but it was over here. Yeah. Yeah. Which I like, because it's like... It, and now I see what people are trying to say when they say that, because it feels like potentially this film is like our knock on the door to, hey, we can make... Something that's yeah, pretty yeah. primo. Was and that was that the production was like here here like they didn't bring other than maybe a couple of actors they didn't bring anyone all from Australian overseas. cast. Nice. And that's just there's so many things about it. It's like it's got that crazy rich Asians effect or right, Black Panther okay. effect, except it's all Australians. Yeah, and we get that too. We're entitled to get that too because yeah, we we deserve it because you know it like it's one thing like we obviously are you know a white culture like we're a white culture but we don't have a big film scene (laughs) and we we should be entitled to say hey let's make a stance let's make it a really good australian piece and this was a really good example of like a really strong australian star-studded cast delivering a very impressive film and a couple of new people too a couple of younger people that uh, step into the film and also make a really good impact too so it's just a really nice Nice, uh, awesome. Well, it's not a nice film, it's gritty and kind of uncomfortable, <laughs> just like but... how The Weeping Woman's a nice yes. film. Yeah. But you walk away from it, and you go, Wow, I'm really proud that I'm from that country that makes yeah, that film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and no, I would like awesome, to be really get that enough. in that conversation one day, yeah. Know? So, what about you? Back to you. No, I just that I mean, that even that story alone reminds me of how, like, you forget that 
before Ragnarok was shot yeah. in Australia. I mean, that was obviously Chris Hemsworth making that happen. But um, I just like those kind of stories. Speaking of four, I watched For the Dark World this week. That was about as uh, subtle as they come. <laughs> I was trying to be subtle with that. I was like, no, there's no way. Oh, I just realized. I think we're doing some good. Thor, intrig- Ra- Thor Ragnarok? Was it? No, Dark World. Shot, shot, I saw The Dark World yes. this week. Yeah. And um, it was one of those films where I walked out of it being like, yeah, okay. Because a lot of people put this at the bottom of their MCU list. A lot of people had do not enjoy this film. It's very funny because b- I think I saw this film when it came out. Yeah. And Wherever I've that never, came out. I've never, I've, this is probably the only MCU film that I've drastically missed for years. Mm-hmm. Like stuff like I'm in Free or um, Ant Man and the Wasp, stuff like that. I, kinda, I, I missed it for a few months, but I got there. This yeah. is the only real Marvel film that I took me like several years before I finally sat down and watched it, because I don't usually care about four. I mean, I care about four and these obviously these newer films, what they've done with them recently, but I don't care about these older films. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember, I remember before watching the Dark World, I was like, okay, well, I need to know like who Natalie Portman is and stuff because I just don't remember. It's been like eight years since the original four. Don't film. remember who Natalie Portman uh, is. <laughs> How could that be? Well, her character. What's her name in that? I remember. Yeah. I remembered it, and now I forgot it. Now the one on the air. She's a cool Jane, chick from Annihilation. Is it Jane Foster? <laughs> oh my god, it might be Jane Foster. Oh my, an idiot, and that's something else. I don't know. I don't know. Her, her, <laughs> her character. Um. Anyway, so it was just something that I was like, I should probably like just scroll through the first four films just to catch up on some of these characters. And it was scrolling through, it was like, oh, there's actually some interesting stuff in here. Like, it looks nice. Some of the shots were interesting. Yeah. They did a lot of Dutch tilts in there. It was just weird. It's like, I know weird. Jack always makes jokes about it, but, like, they're just scrolling through the film You're really going to have to refresh me with this. It's been a long time the since four, The been... first four film? Yeah, all of them, bar Ragnarok. Well, he's, like, in the first one, he's, like, sent back to Earth as, like, punishment. Oh, and I remember he the film. Have... I just don't remember all the Dutch tilts and stuff. Oh, there like were so many Dutch tilts, eh? I, to... I, I didn't even like, watch it. I just like put my mouse over the thing, scrolled through, and it was like, wow, there's like so many Dutch tilts in here for wow. no reason at all. Um, I mean, there might be a reason for it. I'm going to watch it. But I did they that... wanted a noir Thor. Noir Thor with darky, gritty colors. Um, <laughs> and I was like, okay, well, let me just watch the second one now. And like I said, I didn't really mind it that much. I was like, yeah, it's kind of boring, but it's serviceable. You know, there were all the Marvel films are serviceable to an extent. But then I did my MCU list yesterday, mm-hmm. and it was still ended up at the bottom, like everyone else's list. What's the second bottom? Um, let's go through this. I can just print it up now. What is the second bottom? Uh, it might be Ant Man. I think it's actually the original Ant Man. You know, you should actually save that. I would like you to save that for next week on the show. I can save it for next week. I think that'd be a really cool thing to bring into next week. But well, I'll just I'll just have my because you asked that one specific question. Yes. Where did I send? Oh, I sent it to Jack because I didn't want to seem like a nerd on the group chat. <laughs> That's fair. You still no, it, it still was a... it was Guardians Volume Two was my okay. second least favorite. I'm gonna I'm, you're, you're gonna right. have to catch the rest of Jake's list next week on the show. <laughs> a little teaser. Yeah, um, I'm actually keen to hear it. It's it's a good list, but um, I'll just say this: the top three films are all Russo directed. Well, that's a bit of a spoiler. It's a bit of a spoiler, but. Oh, all right. It's relevant to today's it is conversation. Absolutely relevant. What else did you see? Uh, okay, so I saw two other things other than Welcome to Collingwood, which we'll talk about later in the show. Um, I took, I went and saw Jim Carney's Once. Oh, that's right. It's his uh, first film. It's not his first film. Oh, ha, you told Jesse, me it was. <laughs> I check this. Was it's he actually, actually like his third or fourth film. What's going on, man? Um. Uh, I thought it was his first film. It's his first major film. 
So a lot of the other ones were very indie film. This one was kind of still pretty indie. But, yeah. Uh, they all feel indie, though. Yeah. All of them, yeah. It was... In a great way. It was the one that actually won an Academy Award. Really? So For what? A, a soundtrack, I'm pretty oh, sure. Yeah. Cool. Um, and boy, oh boy, it deserves it for it soundtrack. It. Oh, for soundtrack. We were at our footy game and you were playing, I, you were playing some of the soundtrack oh, I, for me. Flip and love the soundtrack. Flip and love. Oh, um, I love it. I think I had one of my big nights here when we were editing The Pretender. Uh, and yeah, yeah, yeah. I messaged you, I think it must have been like three in the morning and you just were up. I don't know why you were up or was something. Was I up? Was that what happened? It was happened? very early in the morning. Was it that early? Yeah. And I messaged out. you. <laughs> it was pretty early. It might have been one or two or something like that. And I messaged you listening you to the song the Falling thing, yeah. Slowly, which a lot of people talk about with that film as being the scene in the music shop where the two characters meet each other for the first time as the best scene in the film. Right. It definitely is. Um, it's such a... I would, I would love to give that film to you, Jake, because it's an interesting You're film. You got it on DVD, eh? I do. Nice. Um... It's not cinematic at all in the sense of like it's very much handy cam, like that Eastern Europe Austrian style where it's all shaky. Very much similar to that short film we watched. Uh, I'm trying to remember Which it now. Short film, the one with the big muscly man. Oh, Dennis. Dennis, yes. Dennis, the short film on YouTube now. It's like twenty yes. minutes long. Um, very uh, similar in style. It's very much like raw shot. Almost like observational style, right? And so what, like shaky cams, just very kind of shaky, cracking people. I don't think there's a single tripod shot. Cool. And up until the last shot of the film, there's not any jib or crane shots. Is, yeah, think, very hand, uh, the ground ground huge, zero sort of thing. Hugely ground zero, and it's a it's a charming film. It's really good. Um, music's gorgeous. I think Carney has kind of developed that reputation definitely over the last yeah. ten years since that film. As being very but that's definitely his earlier one out of the other two that we've... Yes. Like, so beginning against 2014, again. Sing Street's 2016. Nice. This one was 2009? I finally just found it then. You sent me that at the 4th of April. That was like at the start of the month, dude. That was a while ago. Oh, maybe it wasn't that. And it was 11.30pm. Yeah. It wasn't that late. Oh. <laughs> there we go. We got fact-checked. But I didn't respond until... Oh, never mind. Four minutes later. <laughs> okay. Well... Anyway, I, remember, I did send I remember you that. Us so. being rooted to each other on social media. Yes. That you send me stuff at four in the morning. I don't respond to like two days later. No, that, that was that was actually pretty reasonable just then. Yeah, that was pretty reasonable. <laughs> we have done that before. Oh yeah, of course. Um, but yeah, no, I love that song. I think that song's gorgeous. Um, and that that movie is very like you can't help but smile. Yeah. It's it's not in the same league as some of the other films I've caught. Like Into the Wild is still. Holding yeah. strong at the top Holding right now. Holding strong at the top of the list. Um, but it was still really charming. And the other thing I caught this week was a documentary. Um, and I'm going to have to be not biased with this documentary. Okay. Because oh, it was a music documentary oh, about uh, <laughs> about Sorry. Jackson Brown. It was a uh, 1995 documentary about how, you know, music process of him. Yeah. Which a lot of musicians do similar documentaries, sort of talking about yeah, where they're we've going. Seen it before, sort of thing. Bio, bio, biopic, well, bio documentary. Yeah, and then yeah, and it was serviceable. In if we were going from an objective standpoint of view, it was serviceable. Um, it was charming. It was very him, like to the aesthetic of the musician. Yeah, which is always beneficial. Um, 
And then, of course, subjectively, I loved it from start to finish. <laughs> but I will have to... Have to Differentiate some... Because I, I love his music. I think he's gorgeous. Fair enough. And I think he writes things that... I mean, a lot of very popular movies have used his songs in in films. Yeah. And you probably wouldn't even realise it was his music in the in the movie. I think the, probably the most notable one is probably the one in Taxi Driver, where... Oh. Robert De Niro is looking at the TV screen yeah. that's playing that song at midnight, and that's one of his songs. We've seen that clip at least, yeah. And that clip is just iconic yeah. for how music can be diegetic to non-diegetic and how it can just completely express character emotion through camera, uh, you know, the song and what the you know the character's doing within the scene. Yeah. Perfect. Absolutely perfect. A lot of musical stuff for you. Musical week. Lately. I was feeling a bit musical. Not, not musical for me, though. We had generic Marvel soundtrack, and uh, I don't remember what the hell the music was for Weeping Woman. Eh? It's like... What else music did you catch? Is that all you caught this that week? Was it. That was it. I wanted, there's a few I wanted. I wanted to catch... Um, What's that unicorn one? Um, no, the no. unicorn one. No, it's the uh, oh, uh, Unicorn have... Store, which is the Brie Larson directorial debut on Netflix. I do want to see that. I'm curious. I did catch one more film, Jake. What did you catch? I caught... Oh no! Ghosts of Girlfriends Past. <laughs> you did too. So oh, I think this might be my. That's right. I've caught a couple of lemons this year. Lemons. Um, and I was just, you know, at home. Well, no, I wasn't at home. I was at someone else's home. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> was just was on Netflix really? and we watched. Watched uh, yeah. Ghosts of Girlfriends Past, <laughs> and I can't say I enjoyed it. Um, there at, least, things... at least one of you enjoyed it. Sounds like, um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, no, honestly, it's like I think that was very much in the era of McConaughey's chick flick fiascos, where yeah. he just went from one chick flick to the next one. Probably didn't like where his acting was going. Probably wasn't the biggest fan of what he's doing at the time. No, um, and that I haven't film seen the film though. Is it has its moments? Um, because it's obviously a, an interpretation of a Christmas Carol, but like kind of restructured around the whole idea of a womanizing man in this city area. And it has bits where it's kind of like kind of endearing and clever. Emma Stone's in it for like oh cool. Um 15 20 minutes as one of the ghosts and honestly I don't like Emma Stone a lot of things but she does I feel like this is very early. This doesn't feel too long after super bad. I think what, it might have been What year was it? Cuz super bad was 2007. 2009. So, oh, well, there you go, two years. So, not too far after Superman. I've always loved Emma Stone. And, you know, she's sharing the lineup with some pretty heavyweights at this time. Yeah. And she's not really found her own footing yet. I think Easy A was when she really turned heads. Yeah. Which would have been like a year after that. So, she was getting there. But, I mean, she's sharing, like, this film as McConaughey, Jennifer Garner, which, I mean, was pretty big in that early 2000s period. Yeah. Um, and uh, Michael Douglas. So, you know, there's, oh, wow. there are some big names some in this big film. big names in there. So she probably wanted to take her ball and run with it as much as she could in her 20 minutes. Yeah. And honestly, I found her kind of pretty funny in, like, the bit that she was in. So... She she has that, like... is it, Was her humour come from, like, her quirkiness? Or, like, yeah. Because she's, she's good at that stuff. Like, you forget that she's kind of got that angle to her. Like, yeah. I think she's who Jennifer Lawrence wishes she was. <laughs> Amen to that. That might be the best quote we've had on Cinema Side Show. <laughs> Emma Stone is as quirky as Jennifer Lawrence wants to be. Yeah, pretty much. 
I've I've rewatched La La Land a few times in the last. Well, I just had it running when I go to bed and. Yeah. Oh man, what a delightful film! What a delightful! What a delightful film! film. Played the entrance like what an hour ago. Yeah, really showed great. James who'd never seen it. Yes. He's never seen it because he's bloke. But that's ah, it. That's cool. all I caught this week. Yeah. Um, um, samesies. I mean, we released a film in the we last did. week. We uh, did. Good Friday. Uh, we released under ZKJ, The Pretender. We all know why it was a Good Friday that Friday. It Because The Pretender came out. Oh. Yes, it was. <laughs> no, honestly, so I, was um, that one. I was very happy how it turned out. I think it's a really clever... Um, Short little, kind of in the realm of Cradle. Yeah. Well, I think we can talk about it extensively because it's been out for a few days now. Absolutely. If you haven't seen it, go to ZKJ on Facebook or YouTube or whatever. Yeah, it's and there. it's a collab with like Chloe Holmes Photography and Clicker Productions. Yep. Clicker's shared plenty of posts because they're champs. Oh. Um, oh. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, I mean, like we can talk about uh, pretty much anything to do with it. Um, well, I, I, I want to go back to that point of when you first pitched me the idea... Um, and it was something that we had to do anyway. So it was like, you kind of being like, Oh, we got, we got this slot to fill in. Yeah. Here's my pitch for what the film would be. And your the part of your pitch that always was like the, the snap, like, Oh, here we go. Is that last shot? When yeah. you get that slow pullback and reveal of, um, of James or um, Frank in the, in the film and he's, you know, his loneliness and you kind of yeah. get that visual complementary to it as well as the journeys has gone on in this, short span of a day within the story um, and just the way that that all kind of comes together. And I think mm-hmm. that not only did that kind of click in your pitch to me and I'm guessing everyone else you pitched it to, but the actual film itself, I think that moment really clicks very nicely. Yeah, absolutely. And it all kind of comes together very nicely. And it runs symmetry with the start of the day and that's what we, exactly. we kind of yeah, envisioned. Yeah, yeah. We really wanted to try, because we had never tried a top-down aesthetic before and I really wanted to try Don't something a little bit different. Yeah. And we do come back to the top down enough to make it that motif in that short film. Um, the idea, like a lot of my ideas, mm. tend to come from, you know, uh, songs. Um, I tend to listen to, because obviously, as pretty well claimed, I don't have a license, so I walk a lot of places. Right, right. Um, oh, You've got a, radio if you drive, mate. Yeah, well, you know, I have, <laughs> I have a 40-minute... I have a forty-minute walk, pretty That's much up enough. up to uni every day. Or you from... discover a lot of music on the bus. It's very I true. Do. I listen, or when I'm walking, I listen. And funny enough, I watched that Jackson Brown documentary because this film was my interpretation of one of his songs, mm. named by the with the same title. And oh, really? Yeah, I didn't know that. Oh, well, there you go. Um, Learn something new every day. And it was sort of my interpretation of that song, and it's funny because people that have listened to that song heard that and interpreted that song completely different to yeah. me, um, which is the best part about music or film. It's, some of it is pretty open to interpretation, how yeah. you perceive it. And I think this film, I thought, we like, we like you said, we had this opportunity, and I see these opportunities, and we should all see these opportunities as ways to just make that portfolio a little bit bigger, yeah, a little bit broader. Gives us more time to use stuff. Every every opportunity is an opportunity, so it's like, and you know, there are some people that, in our course, admittedly, haven't taken that opportunity and yeah. used it to their full potential, and that's a real shame because they're wasting their time that they have here, yeah, to really work their craft and hone their craft. 
Well, that's the thing, you know, you take opportunities and like, I mean, that's the thing. I, I mean, I've said it for a while and I always, I always appreciate you because you take those opportunities day in and day out, you know, um, even, even to an extent that I don't do sometimes. And I always like, consider myself a hard worker in that regard, but you're right. You know, you take these opportunities and you, you ultimately get more stuff you can be proud of, but that everyone else can also enjoy. Absolutely. You know? Wouldn't it be great if we had four other short films come out that same week that we can enjoy immediately? And obviously... People, the people around us are doing stuff. Yeah. You know, they don't necessarily all have to come out at one hit, you know. Um, for example, you know, Jesse Newell, who's been on the show, he mm-hmm. just revealed a date finally for his overdue. Yeah. So and it's Neil, like, that's not Neil far Creative away. Yeah. have released that. But you're right. There's that also that, like, we could be getting more from other people if they put in, you know, a little more effort well, as well. I mean, but at the, at the end of the day, it's, it's someone's choice to it is, push themselves. It is someone's choice, and it's how... And it's funny you bring up Chris um, Stuckman earlier in the show. Yeah. Because he's doing that now. He's himself. consistently talked about that over the years of his channel running. And he's pushed himself and he keeps pushing himself and he keeps trying because he wants to break into that. Yeah. And the talking about movies is just an extension, just like it is for us. I mean, it's literally what we're doing right now. Exactly. Right yeah. And I think this film, it was really nice to. Like, I do act in the film. I have a smaller role. Um, it's got a bit of a performance in there. And honestly, it's I really enjoy it, and I would love to try more acting out um, and really work at that a bit more. Because as a, as a wannabe director, I see acting, it's just another skill to have in the belt. It's another way of, you know, having that actor perspective yeah, um, and getting inside the head. And maybe making myself more professional and my performance more efficient in the field if I was a director because I would be able Mm. to understand where they're coming from, which in previous films has been an issue of mine and I can acknowledge that. You mean like talking to actors? Yeah, or I think communicating directly or communicating between actor and crew and trying to find that perfect balance. Right, right. Which, you know, I don't... You know, we can all work towards better... our better selves, right? But... I think if I acted more and and stuff, then yeah. I think I think directing. I think there's a lot of roles that go into directing that people who've never done it before have absolutely no clue about. And I think that I think one of the most important ones is your right communication. Yeah. To to actors, to uh, crew, to hell even your producers or executive producers, because you've got to communicate your idea or your ideas in different ways. You need to translate those differently to actors that you would executive producers, you know, exactly. or crew. You know, crew, you might have a bit more of a structural component to the way you're mm-hmm. describing something. With actors, you might want to have maybe a bit of a, a more loose explanation so that they have room to kind of grow and stuff themselves, or maybe you're a different kind of director, you have a different level of um, authority, or maybe you're way more strict with what you want out of someone. Yeah. But you're right, it's that level of communication, because if you do that right, then everyone else around you is going to do a better job as well. Exactly. So you're right. It's a very hard skill. Yeah, and it was nice. It was nice sharing the screen with James again. Um, always like hanging out with my best buddy on screen. So that's best always buddy. good fun. Um, and I think we do play off each other pretty well. This is the first time we really kind of got to have a bit more of a back and forth. Yeah, he doesn't cause... really say much to you in faces. No, he just kind of sits there and be sad. Um, so it was nice <laughs> having a yeah, it was nice having a back and forth. And admittedly, um, I'm looking forward to maybe doing more smaller things with him just yeah. for. Like, just that ability to, like we say, keep pumping out some of these smaller things, you know, all building up to that 
big dance that we're probably all going to have to go to. Big dance. The big, big film in the second half of the year. La La so Land. Exactly, yeah. And, you know, on. all the any excuse <laughs> to just get out there and make two, three-minute films that have something to say or are there to entertain. And they're the two yeah. big uh, things that we always want to try and do with it. Yeah, our... exactly. And I think this film really did hit that nail on the head, at least from the reception that I got from people that watched it, yeah. people that messaged me after it. A lot of them really enjoyed the cinematography, which was predominantly was done we by Chloe. Focusing on, yeah. Um, Chloe Holmes, who was amazing at lighting some of those shots. There's some absolutely gorgeous uh, shots in there, and especially considering time of day. Time and... of day, and um, there were short shoots. I think we did, what, it was just like two half days, basically? Yeah, it was like two, three, four-hour shoots. Yeah, exactly. Um, nothing crazy. But uh, working hard within the, the time frame, making yeah, it Yeah, I think because we've all worked with each other one way or another at some point. Yeah. It was pretty seamless. Like, I remember the other day, like, I was talking to someone and just being like, yeah, it's gotten to that point where it feels like it can be, you know, very snappy, you know. Yeah. It's like, right, we're moving into this shot. We want it like this. And, you know. And then we'll just get that shot out of the way and get it done, and then move on to the next one. Yeah, and... even complicated shots like um, like we did we did that um tracking shot out the window when it's um you know sunrise yeah. or uh, you know sneaky little intep after the sunset. Oh, whoa, yes. cheeky! Um, it's but a gorgeous shot too. It's, it's one a gorgeous of those shot, shots and, that... and we we did that set up in like five minutes. Yeah, like getting the wally dolly and the the rig and stuff, and then we had even additional movement. The whole um take didn't make it into the the film. Because yes. obviously we wanted to move forward in, in story-wise with what we wanted to tell from Frank's point of view. In well, story. exactly. We wanted to really exercise that quick, tight morning that was systematic to Frank's character. Exactly. Um, but even even with that in mind, with the shot, like half of what you see in the scene was what we actually did. And we did that so quickly. You yeah. Know? That was just, first of all, the time constraint of trying to get the sun in shot and making it all look nice mm-hmm. um, and realistic for the time frame we're trying to sell. But also that efficiency of just doing the shoot, just going in, shooting it, getting out. And there's an art to that, you know. Not every film production has to be that way, but not just that. All if, the it, shots. if it can be that way, and the film comes out very nicely, then I mean, it's a ahead. lot of it is just common sense and being switched on in the moment. Um, yeah, it's like a lot of that sunrise sequence where he's getting out of bed. It wasn't even close to sunrise. I think it was uh, it was afternoon for some and nighttime for some. Yeah, it's just the way you go about putting the the lights in the right place, and it's common sense. And it's like, especially the nighttime stuff. It was night, but the fact that you I mean, we still... literally shot night for day, day for night, yeah, almost the entire movie. Yeah, so, yeah. So yeah, and I th- and it come and it shows. And I mean, a lot of people. There are three or four really big money shots in that film, which a lot of people walk away from with really positive attitudes towards. Yeah. Um. You know, the pull out shot from the office, the pull in shot to the office, the Wally Dolly shots, and the two top down shots. Of the. Yeah. Pretty big ones that everyone really enjoys, and the uh, the Isle of Dogs homage really with that top down oh, yeah. peeling of the apple, which was very nice and hurt my arms like a mofo. Oh, you were up there for quite a while. Two and a half minutes. I got some sneaky photos of people getting cameras around in strange places, like Twister on set. It was a lot of fun. Trying <laughs> to get those cameras in and places. And you wouldn't be able to do that with everyone, so I think that's why we. As that's a, crew, a good point. We've... I I think we had a nice crew who all knew each other and and really didn't have an ego. Because no. we, if we had too many people with egos in one space with, you know, the, not the most concrete plan in the world, then you're going to have a lot more issues. Yeah, and I feel like if anyone felt even remotely towards being flustered, they kind of just removed themselves from the space for a couple of minutes. Yeah. 
got themselves reset and then just got straight back into it. It was a, it was an efficiency thing. Yeah. And yeah, even even with fluid roles as we talked about, mm-hmm. everyone still knew to what level they needed to contribute, but to keep it on an official tight schedule, what level to Exactly. Kind of keep it in a place. And I think that's always been the the really good thing that we've developed over the last couple of years where it's like if I'm feeling annoyed and I know I'm starting to get annoyed, I'll just remove myself yeah. from the situation, reset myself, come back in. Because getting angry on set literally does nothing. Yeah. And I've gotten angry on set before, and it it just counterproducts everything. And I've learned yeah. that the hard way, and that's fair. <laughs> I'm totally okay with admitting it, because it is. I learned it the hard way, and that's just the truth. And, yeah. And, uh, and like, for people who don't make films, you will get pissed on yeah. set. It will happen. Yeah. Because it is a very hard, dulling you'll task. You want to quit. You want to go home. Shoot. You'll feel hungry. You'll feel tired. The fact of the matter it's, is, you're yeah. still a team. Just you're like, a team. You keep, you know, you keep your face going. You're right. I think I like that tactic of just removing yourself for just just a minute. Yeah. Just a minute. Take the time to yourself. You know. And I've definitely had those moments. I've had moments where, I've, um, years ago, I remember I was I was doing an, uh, a shoot for Evasion. I was getting really frustrated at one point because it just felt like such a directionless day and we're all in the hot sun and it was crazy and you know and it was like admittedly there was a part of me as a director that should have been a bit more you know footed ass with certain certain things but um ultimately you're right you know you're going to get frustrated and it's just being able to manage that yourself yeah and i guess yeah even as a team you need to be able to register when other people need that too if you get annoyed you put an anchor down on production the quality of production goes down across the board and then the final film doesn't come out as good yeah, as you exactly. want it to be. Whereas if you remove yourself, come back, but then still hold yourself to that same high bar. Because, sure, we had we had a slot to fill, but why just fill the slot? Why not make something worth yeah. putting out there? And being like, and happy to have our names on it. And comfortable having our names on it. And yeah. proud of having our names on it. Because that's the difference between filling a slot and making a film not because someone's telling you to make it, but because you want to make it and yeah. because you've got something to say. And that's uh, that's why I wanted to make this film. That's why everyone else wanted to make that film and why they wanted to make it to such a professional quality. Yeah, exactly. So, but something out that they're proud of. Yeah. And I'm hoping to make a lot more smaller ones with, with Yal. And Yal, the crew. With the boys and... Um, you know, over the break, building up towards our our really big, big bigger production. Yeah, because we'll be pushing into probably episode twenty or thirty by the time that uh comes, comes around. Probably in the thirties. So, um, yeah, by the time that rolls around, that'll be big. That'll be our big film, the one that we'll be very happy to talk about by the end of the year. But until now, it'll it's be a just bit of a secret. Yeah, it'll it's just a bit be of a secret these nice little fun little <laughs> gems coming out over ZKJ and Clicker. Yeah, that's that. exciting. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, I'm happy to move into the next part of the show if you Absolutely. are, Jackie boy. Me too. Let's talk about our film of the week, New The Directors. Russo Brothers. It's a director's corner. Director's corner. Their first film, The Russo Brothers, who obviously are doing a little bit of a film this week. You might have all heard. But before we get into that, we're going to talk about Welcome to Collinwood. How much money did you wake up with in your pocket this morning? 55 cents. <laughs> If you're going to lead a life of crime, you better know what you're doing. You know who we are? You fellas know Riley? You guys know Perro? Did we know a safe cracker? This is the story of a heist. Five hapless misfits 
from the hard luck streets of Cleveland band together to try and pull off the greatest job they've ever heard of. Opportunities like this don't come along every day for the hard luck folks who hang around the streets of Collingwood, a working class neighbourhood on Cleveland's east side. But when their plans go awry, this army of egocentrics find themselves gaining more than they lose. Interesting concepts. Mm. This one's a real interesting one, Jake, mm. because, you know, the last couple of director's corners, we had an actor-director, and we had... A director-director. The director-director. <laughs> and now we're getting someone a little bit different. The Russo brothers are widely known for their Marvel films. I would say that's probably at the top of their at, list. At right now, absolutely. So, um, yeah, they've done, like, Winter Soldier, Civil War... Infinity War and obviously Endgame, which is just around the corner. Um, they're also known for doing a lot of stuff in Arrested Development and Community. I see. So they've done a lot of directorial well, work a... there, and that's what led them into doing Captain America for the first time. Interesting. Very interesting, yeah, because like, I, lo- I, love, I love the way Marvel, especially in that second phase with um, Guardians, obviously, with James Gunn. Um, you know, I, I know originally they were looking... Um, to do Edgar Wright for Ant-Man. That would have been very interesting if that went through all the way. But I really love in that second tier of films, um, and obviously with Winter Soldier and the Russos, that they, they really did some exploring to find those directors. Mm. And I'm glad they found the Russos because I love the Russos to death. Um, despite the fact that this is the first time I've seen any non-Marvel film they've ever done, is this film, Welcome to Gollumwood. And um, I can this say... This really like, a first... Uh, mm-hmm. yeah. I'm like trying to look through their like filmography, yeah. It's, yeah, uh, no, they've done. They haven't done a lot. They've done um, you mean uh, Droopy? Is it Droopy? Droopy? D U P R E E? Is that it? Droopy? Doopy? Doopy? Dupree? Oh, Dupree. Yeah, Dupree. You mean I Dupree. got it. I eventually got it. Everyone, you, me, and Dupree. They did that too. I didn't know that. Yeah. Is that Jim Carrey in that one? Me and Dupree. No, it's Owen no. Wilson and Michael Douglas. Oh, oh, that is true. I have seen the poster for that. I have seen the poster. I swear to God. No, but like I said, they're they're um more into the uh, you know rest of development community. They did some stuff for Agent Carter as well, which that was nice of them <laughs> to do that. Um, no, but then you're right. Then they're kind of weird into the uh, the Marvel kind of train there. And um, they've obviously been handed the, the big task of doing those Avengers films towards the end because they did so well with, um, you know, their Captain America mm. films. So, nah, I'm really proud. No, okay, so what's your verdict on the film? Of well, Welcome to Collingwood? I keep getting a few, every time I tell someone, oh, we're watching Welcome to Collingwood, they think we're talking about the AFL team. Yes, <laughs> I've had like, without oh, a G. So, yeah, nah, yeah, exactly. This is like everyone. Um,. So I try and say Colin Wood. I'm trying to make it kind of two words. Yeah, almost. I mean, like these directors' corners, we we tend to get a film that is either their first film or a film that definitely defines Defined them their career. Yeah, uh, as an early director, so you can clearly see where they are now. So with Nolan, we did Memento, which is his first big film. Yeah, more so and we could see where film. he got a lot of what then became some of his huge films later in his later years. And, yeah. of course, with Joseph Gordon-Levitt, he's only done one film. So that was an easy one to do, Whereas Don John. This one, um, what I noticed is when I was looking up the Welcome to Collingwood thing, they did do a film that wasn't rated called Pieces. It was a comedy in 1970. 
1997. So it wasn't a wide release film. If anyone out there is going to say that this was not their first directorial film, I didn't know that. Well, um, that's the first one that came up. Well, it's interesting because you talk about the wide release thing. This film is also very hard to find. Yes. We tried, we couldn't find it in JB Hi Fi's or anything. It's on Netflix or anything like that. You can purchase stuff like eBay. You can purchase like a DVD copy of eBay and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Um, so. Well, it only grossed 12 million at the box office. Yeah. So it wasn't a Not huge a grocer. Not a lot. But Considering I, they had some stars in this. Uh, yes, exactly. And that's why I was kind of intrigued. I was like, how did these guys get this as their first film? Which is why then I went to see that they got pieces about six years earlier. So they probably had to do a fair amount of scrounging to get this film. But I'm happy that this is the one that we've hallmarked as their director's corner one. Because you can see, I feel like a lot of seeds of the Russo brothers in this film. I made a comment of saying um, just the fact that they're already working with an ensemble cast. Mm-hmm. Helped a lot, I think, going yes. into the future. But I just the handling of the characters in this, I really enjoyed. Yeah. Um. And what what else would you say from a directorial point that you picked up on that I enjoyed? Well, or yeah, just, just that you think is like a seed for their later work. Um. Okay. So, like, I think you've nailed it on the head with the ensemble cast thing. Yeah. I think that was a really clever uh, uh, point because yeah, it's a it's a big cast to work with a lot of uh relatively big names. Yeah. Uh, enough to note. Um, especially given, I'm not sure what Rockwell had done up to this point. Um, done Green Mile, man. Really? Done bloody Green Mile by now, yeah? Wow. Um, and a couple of the other guys, I know there's the dude from Fargo in there. Um, forgive me for not knowing his uh, name off the top of my head. You craphead, Zeke. Um, you William pants. H. Macy. That's oh, it. Never mind. I take those back. Yeah. And then like <laughs> a couple of other, like, like Michael Jeter and stuff like that. Um, and I feel like they've handled... Everyone gets enough... I mean, Josh Clooney's in this. Yeah. Well, he also <laughs> produced it. Is yeah, what I just fair checked. enough. Him and Steven Soderbergh yeah. um, produced this. And I can see why Soderbergh produced this too, because you can see the Russos do actually kind of... I could tie a couple of Soderbergh's traits okay. um, to the Russos, definitely. So clearly, they might be in the same school of cinema thought. A lot of talking in this film. A lot of... Uh, he just a little conversation mouth motion to me. <laughs> Sorry, a lot of conversation pieces, which Soderbergh does a lot too. Yeah. Um, especially in the first act where you have to establish a lot of the characters, it's it almost gets dizzying to the amount of, uh, especially with the first scene where they're trying to find. They introduce so many characters so quickly. Yes. Um, which you're right is is a dizzying scene, but I actually. It was. It's one of those things. In like very few movies do this, where they introduce so many characters that I just switch off. I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm not gonna remember these guys. Yeah. And you get to the end, you're like, no, okay, you know, you've kind of actually figured out who's who and stuff. And admittedly, if it's uh, you know, even if it is like it's their first kind of real cinematic, like I said, pieces was a 72 minute film that wasn't even rated. Yeah. So. I feel like that one pushes to the point where it's so indie that I don't even think we'd be able to find it. I mean, it will basically um, imagine like I started making a bunch of features for the next like 30 years and then someone was trying to find Disconnected, you know? Exactly. I feel like it would be a little trickier to find I after mean, 30 years. this one was years. a trick and a half to find in Exactly, itself, this one so. in itself. And this was like a proper theatrical release exactly. film in 2002. It wasn't even that long ago. So, um... Yeah, no, I, I think that it's a pretty bold film for people that are relatively relatively early to the game at that point. Definitely. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, handling such a pretty heavy-handed cast, especially given where a lot of these actors have ended up in hindsight. But 
Yeah, no, I think it's a, a very pretty film too. It's quite nice. Okay. It's, I think it's aesthetically very pleasing to the eye. I don't think it's very good. Aesthetically great. reminded me of Brick, which is Ryan Johnson's first like big I have not film. seen Brick. Aesthetically so. very familiar. That gritty almost feels homemade sort of thing. Really? That's what you got from it. Wow. Not, not like homemade, homemade, like bad homemade, but like... I mean, I just, watched 21 it, Grams last week. Yeah. And like... <laughs> took like gritty and homemade to a whole new level. No, but just like, not even like gritty aesthetically, but like gritty filmmaking. This reminded me a lot of Gangs of New York. Okay. That yeah, style. yeah. Um, that's what it reminded me of. Um, I guess I'm talking more from like not like an aesthetic or a lighting point. More like it feels like they got shot on the same camera. You know, that's kind of what okay. I'm leaning to. And there are only three years difference, and probably a similar budget between the films. Maybe Brick was a lot less money than this, mm-hmm. but um, it just remind me of that. We should do Ryan Johnson one day. We should for our director's corner. Get Jack on. Yeah, actually, I want I want you to add it to the list, Brick. Brick, I will add it to my list. I haven't done and that. And that one. is not as hard to find. No, but yeah. But um, overall, I, think I enjoyed the film. I had like okay. some really good laughs. Um, it's funny. It's really funny. It is really funny, <laughs> and I, I know it's meant to be. It's a crime comedy, and it does. It doesn't entertain me as much as something like Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels or Snatch. Okay, which are the Guy Ritchie yeah. sort of crime comedy films? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which are in relatively the same time frame too. This was two thousand three. Snatch was two thousand, and Lock, Stock's ninety eight. So all relatively similar time frame. Um, and it entertained me enough. I mean, it this film, yeah, yeah. I think the characters are kind of silly. That scene with Rockwell trying to seduce the girl who has like all the girlfriends. Oh yeah, the guy, the boyfriends, yeah, all the boyfriends. And I love how much room Rockwell's given in this to just have fun. He has a lot. He has a lot of screen time. He has a lot of screen time compared to anyone. Yeah, and I don't, I don't know how that works in my opinion because. Well, he says it. He says it towards the end of the film that he's like the guy who basically does the majority of the work. Yeah, in making this happen. Yeah, you know? I guess. It's but he's also the last guy from memory to be introduced in that whole collage of people. Yeah, he is. Uh, at, at first, the focus is the definitely much on um, what starts with the old man character and then branches out. But uh, I really did enjoy. What well, starts with um, is it Cosmo? Is that his yes. name? Yeah, it starts with him being in jail, and then he hears the story. That kind of leads into this big game of Chinese whispers and stuff like that. With Fantastic. All the money swapping and stuff like that. I like that stuff. I really Because you know what it is. You know what kind of film this is from the very beginning. Absolutely. Yeah, it's well, silly. Well, you know, it's fun. the first shot, right? When Cosmo walks in with the pinstripe sort of... Well, it's not the first shot, but it's one of the first shots where he goes to prison he's in like a pinstripe suit. That's right, yeah. It's like... He's not in a real jail uniform. This is, a, a this is, this is movie jail. Yeah, yeah, it's like the Coens who did uh, Oh Brother, Where Out Thou? Yeah. And that's like virtually around the same time too. It's like 2000, I think. So Yeah, wow. Um, if it was older than that. But I guess what? you're right. Yeah, so Clooney had only yeah. really... You know, you were like really like... Clooney hadn't had that many big films by that point. He wasn't really yeah. hitting the Clooney stride yet. The Clooney um, Stride. He was still pretty synonymous with Hollywood at that point. Like, to see him in this film is a little bit like, whoa, Clooney's Still like, film. oh, nice grab sort of thing. Which is like, which made me even more confused. I was like, how is this like their first, and even if it's only their second technically film, but first cinematic film, it's crazy. Yeah. Think how big the, how many people were backing these guys before they, and look at them now. I mean, it's exactly. I mean, it tells you right off the bat that these directors must have had some sort of real connection or core with the, this cast. 
yes. that they were able to kind of place their bets on basically first-time directors, d- double directors, or, you know, two directors, brothers. Well, yeah, and, and if you're tying it into the Marvel stuff, then they've definitely done that over the 20-something films, right? Yeah, absolutely. They've been giving people, like like with Marvel, Anna Boden and Ryan Fleck got Captain Marvel recently, yeah. so it's... It, I definitely think that there's enough there, and this film is kind of charming, and it's a real easy watch. You don't really... It's a very easy watch, you're right, yeah. It's yeah. it's not even that, like, disturbing, or, like, the stuff that... No. no yeah, like, even, like, the, the... vibe. It's very slapsticky. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when he gets punched and gets knocked down the stairs, like, uh, after yeah. he gets walked. Oh, when they fall through the window. Yeah. Before the big heist is... <laughs> It's like, yep, bye. It's definitely taking a more light-hearted... There's definitely two approaches to Heist Gone Wrong, and I think we've watched both together. We've seen American Animals. American Animals takes the opposite. way more serious. Takes the complete opposite route, where it's like... And it's such a... like, Like, it's not like a Mission Impossible heist or like a really crazy heist. It's It's kind of a similarly, like... Low. Well, it goes wrong, but it goes wrong in a different tonal sense, you know? Like, it goes wrong in an uncomfortable way. Yeah. Well, here it goes wrong, and we're waiting for it. Like in American Animals, when the librarian's like pissing herself and crying, and the the character in the is freaking out, and then he brings another one of the characters in, and then they all end up freaking out together, and it becomes more you're getting panicky because you're getting uncomfortable. Whereas with this one, you just chill. You just watch it and have a good time. It's just like relax. You're like, and I think. Because it starts with that, like, meet, meet, is it Meteor Res? Where it's, uh, it's kind of starts off with almost the ending, that first shot. Yes. And then it kind of goes back to the beginning of the story. So even that kind of tells you, okay, well, they to some extent, they get away with something. And even then, the first uh, indication of the tone of this film comes with the, the vignette title cards. Oh, that's right. And you know... Actually, I'm, you, I'm glad you reminded me of that. Why didn't they do that more? I don't know why, because yeah. honestly, those vignette title cards, they felt like such an aesthetic to the dun, film dun, 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 that we were going to see them all, but we don't. Yeah. Uh, we only see them really at the right start, the start yeah. but you can still pick up on the tone there. You're kind of like, okay, we're going to be a little bit slapsticky about it. This is kind of like in that old school era. I don't even really know what era this is, to be honest. I mean, it could be like a modern... It feels honestly like it's 19... Well, it doesn't make sense, because there's a... Not to be racist, but there's a black man dressed in very fine clothes, so it can't be too early in the time period. <laughs> no, well, I I think it's meant to be like modern, quote unquote. Yeah, modern, like sort of like yeah. steampunky. I feels a bit quirky. This film, it's it's quite it's got a quirky sound. Like I said, it's it's really funny and it has that. I think I think what's most interesting. I wanted to point this out is how the um these first time directors kind of pick a plot or a concept, an idea, a tone that we've seen before, really. Yeah, like we've, everything in here we've essentially seen, and I think it's interesting how these, you know, I keep, I'm going to keep saying it. First time directors, are you saying? I don't know what Jake, pieces that they are about. taking an unimaginative idea and making it their own and putting a unique spin on it. Well, my interest in it really is that doing it for the first time, and again, I'm going to keep saying it the first fucking time, you know, for, because usually you think a first time director who gets a feature and gets this cast, this ensemble, this budget that they would want to do something that you would think is kind of more closer to their hearts. Mm-hmm. Maybe, you know, their brothers, maybe they do, they would have done something about their family or something like that. Um, but no, they kind of picked this idea that we've seen before, this tone we've seen before, and wanted to just kind of have fun with and make it theirs, you know, with their own cast. Mm-hmm. And I could kind of appreciate that, to be honest. I actually really liked that they 
not necessarily had the balls. Really, there's no balls in doing that, but just the fun and the 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 feel to just do that, to have fun with it. No, it's fair. So yeah, I think um, yeah, honestly, I took a lot from this. I would absolutely recommend this film. There's if you could find it. Um, <laughs> yeah. Check eBay. It's probably your best yeah. bet at this rate. It's a really, it's an enjoyable piece. There's like nothing. It's harmless. It's fun, and yeah. it's like you said, it's taking a a concept of um that has been done relatively. You know, it's a heist movie. Yeah, but it's a heist movie with enough unique elements to make it stand on its own two feet. The Russos do some interesting stuff with the camera every now and then. I notice there's yeah. some cool like camera movements or reveals. I mean, my favorite one's probably, um, I mean. Up to you if you want to jump straight into your highlight scenes, favorite highlight yeah. highlight scenes. I mean, there's some a few in here, but one I really what liked was the way they used the camera to reveal when Sam Rockwell is um chasing um what's her face. You know, he's got the kind of the love interest that he's kind of. Are you doing the mirror maze one? I'm doing the mirror maze. Yeah, one. that was my one. And that reveal of Cosmo coming in. <laughs> yeah. That is so funny. It's, good. <laughs> it's really good. It's so good. Really I like that. I liked the one they held on the shot. It was a one shot um, of the Rockwell boxing match to introduce Rockwell's character. Was that all one shot? Um, I'm pretty sure it holds on the shot of like okay. when the, the fight starts and they just circle each other for like a oh, good bit. Oh, okay. I gotta read really, really like, that. He's just taunting him, and then the dude just knocks him out straight away. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like the most pathetic punch too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It like knocks Rockwell to the ground. It completely says That's everything great. you need to know about this kind of scrawny character. You know, or even the one okay. where it's just like like when Rockwell's crying to Cosmo, and Cosmo reveals the MacGuff like the. Oh yeah, that was clever. It was clever. Yeah. And then the follow-up scene from it, where he thinks he's going to get away with everything, but instead he gets mugged by the rest of them, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or a lot of like, um, you know, like. The scenes with the other characters, the intro character scenes, they're really clever too. And of course, the heist is just funny. The heist is funny. I I really enjoyed it. And like, uh, it, there's no point like talking about like spoilers or anything. There's not a lot of spoilers in this movie. It's a heist. It's a short, fun heist film, and not yeah. a lot that really happens. Um, but that being said, were you? What's the word? Were you kind of um? I don't know why I'm blanking on the word. I guess underwhelmed would be it. Were you underwhelmed with the ending? No? Yeah? It's more predictable. Like, it felt very... Yeah. uh, I don't know. It felt very safe. My, uh, like, that was just my sort of takeaway from it. I guess I was under... Yeah, I guess I was sort of a little bit underwhelmed. It just kind of ends, and I was like, okay. I mean, I I like that he... They obviously, they find $1,000 by mistake. Yes. So that's what they get. In the And they all give it to the father. Yeah. Which That's I, why I, I thought like, was predictable, though. Yes, but I, I, I feel like... The, I don't think he was made enough of his own character. I mean, they do a lot in the film to be like, hey, I'm the father here, and I'm the one who needs money more mm. than you, sort of thing. Um, but I, I, I don't know. I just... I could see why the decision was made. Well, I it feel was like Sam the fact Rockwell that he has his baby in every scene is like That's true. another subverting sort of like, well, he does have another person. You're right. It's definitely in there enough, so I really shouldn't be like complaining or being like, oh, we That's need more. That's why I said predictable. You yeah, know? It's fair sort enough. of like... Okay. Obviously, if it's going to go wrong, with, yeah. Because they're all crooks, right? That's the whole thing. They're all, yeah. They've all been to prison. They've all... I think, I think that's been right. All, all the seeds were planted in there for that to make sense. 
um, or not even just to make sense, but to be kind of its own satisfactory thing. Yeah. And also the film never promised any sort of spectacular ending. So even though I felt a little underwhelmed, I also wasn't surprised by mm-hmm. it. Because the film didn't promise to be anything. But you would recommend the film. I would have recommend the film. It's fun. I yeah. really enjoy it. Um, did I say wood? I definitely meant wood. I don't know mm. if I mixed my words there. I definitely recommend this film. Um, if you can find it, like you said. Yeah. Um, I had a lot of fun with it. And um, it definitely gives you a bit of insight into the Russos as directors. And uh, I really like Well, we that. can bridge into next week, though. That was another director's corner, I think. Um, yeah. I would recommend the film. That was the Russo Brothers' Welcome to Collingwood. And uh, it is out in wide release. If you can find it, you might have to check. <laughs> you might have to explore a bit for this one, but I would say it's worth. Anyway, check. Moving on, new in cinemas this week, Jakey boy. There are two things that I can see here that are worth talking about. I'll start with a small film that I might have talked about just a little bit. That's out in a cinemas. Small little winter film. It is Jim Cummins' Thunder Road. Is coming out into independent theaters. I'm assuming, maybe even Hoyts. I'll have to check that. But it is out on the 25th of April. Um, I've seen this film already. Yeah, I was gonna ask because like you've seen it. I have, seen but it's it. coming out next week. Yeah, in Australian cinemas. I was a little bit cheeky. Uh, with the I, I see. It. I see what you um, did. Well, I would love to go to the movies to watch this film. Because you've talked I very highly of it. Absolutely, go see it again with you. Awesome. Because I think this film is probably. One of the films that really kind of gives you hope as a filmmaker that this journey is doable. Yeah. Yes. Um, oh, yeah. And we've and seen the short w- together. We've talked we've about the short. The short. Um, Love the short. Yeah. And I feel like the film itself will surprise you and impress you. Okay. And Cummins is definitely a showcase of how you literally can DIY a film, basically, and <laughs> DIY a competent film. Basically, like, it didn't matter how many roadblocks were in his way. Yeah. You know, the guy acts, directs, writes the damn thing. And people were, were there to help him. And yeah. I think uh, that's an inspiration in its own right. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. hell, I can relate to that even just as recently as the last few months. You exactly. Know? So it's like, I think we all can get a little, you know, oomph from just that story, that behind the scenes exactly. story of that. But I'm really curious to see the story because, again, the short film intrigued me and it definitely, definitely intrigued you. Yep. You've talked about it a lot more than I have. Exactly. Um, I'm excited to watch the feature. I want to see what they're doing with it. But, of course, the big one. The big one! The big one. And also, what we're talking about next week on the show, it is the Russo Brothers with back-to-back weeks, first time in cinema sideshow history that we are watching a film from the same set of directors or director. Twice in a row, we are watching the big... Big one, the Avengers Endgame! God, it seems like a thousand years ago. I fought my way out of that cave. Became Iron Man. Adrift in space with no food or water, Tony Stark sends a message to Pepper Potts as his oxygen supply starts to dwindle. Meanwhile, the remaining Avengers for Black Widow, Captain America, Bruce Banner, and I guess more... Uh, must figure out a way to bring back their vanquished allies from Epic Showdown with Thanos, the evil demigod who decimated the planet and half the universe. It says the whole universe in the synopsis. That's really awkward. 
That is quite awkward. It's very much a half. It also likes to leave out, like, all the other supplementary characters. Yeah, I know. It only named, like, four. It's like, there are definitely at least two more more in there. Yeah. It doesn't matter. We all know what Avengers Endgame is. It's a combination of 22 MCU films, the final one within the saga. It's a big deal. Finally here. Yeah. You watched all... So is this the 23rd? Now, this is the 22nd. Okay, so you've watched all 21. So now that I've watched four of The Dark World, I've seen all the other MCU films, I am ready for the end game. So next week, we'll hopefully have Jack back on the show. For oh, absolutely. Because this is his domain. Um, I think everyone, seeing as you've already done a list, Jack's already done a list, I might as well chalk in Write my list. list. Yeah, Jack's on his list very recently. Prior so. to uh, us talking about the film, we will go through our ranking the 21 films. Yep. Um, each individually. Um, I think we'll just read our lists out straight away so we don't spend too long. Otherwise, we could be here all day and then we'll just... Yeah, we don't have uh, to go into a review for every film. Exactly. Like um, I think we can essentially just talk about our top three picks, but we will run through the whole list. Um, yeah, I like that. Yeah. I've already spoiled my top three, though, <laughs> earlier in this yeah, episode. Yeah, but not in the order. Not in the order. We don't know which order the Russos are impressed me. Yeah, right. uh-huh. and... Because um, I've seen Jack other people's lists, real house, and I can tell you, mine are already going to be different to yours. Yeah. So that'll be interesting, and I think mine will definitely be different to Jack's. Well, I can tease with Jack's that the number one is not a Russo film. I like that. That's all I'm going to say. That's a good teaser. Yeah. But yeah, no, we'll go into that, and of course, we will talk about Infinity War. I haven't bought a ticket yet. I don't think Jake has either, but we will probably. <laughs> we got to figure that probably out. Probably go see it together. We, we got like a day left to do that. <laughs> I can't. I can't feel like we so won't close. miss out on watching this movie in the I first think, I week. think the trick is most people don't tend to go to movies early in the morning, but not us. I mean, other way around. I mean, I'd like it, to cop yes, one late at night. One of the quote. do another Green Book where there's no one in the theater. Yeah, but we have to wait like ten months for that to happen. <laughs> I reckon we could cop a late night one in the beginning. one that's empty. Well, close to empty though. No, dude, no. Oh. Well, I'm trying to be and Anything between here. 5 and 11 p.m. was already sold out a week ago. Really? Yeah, dude, you got to go on the early ones. you got to go on the early showings. I saw I saw Infinity War with Jack at like 9 in the morning. Okay, so we have to go see it at 9 in the morning? Yeah, probably. When does it come out? Tomorrow? When's, Wednesday. Wednesday? What's Jack, today, Monday? Jack can't see it. It's a Thursday. We can do some research. We can figure it out. Yeah, I'm, but I'm Jack's already go- bought his tickets. Jack's already done. I might go watch it a second time with Jack on the Thursday. Fair enough. I'm keen, man. I'm so keen. But um, I'm happy to see it with you on the Wednesday. Yeah. Oh, Get it out of the way. Let's do it. Get it out of the way. The well, homework I, assignment. Well, admittedly, as I've talked about, I think I've talked about it on the show before. You've called it a homework assignment before on the show. Yeah. It is a homework assignment. Yeah. Um, I'm not, <laughs> I have, which I will talk about next week, my favorites and my least favorites. And admittedly, I can already tell you, Finney War, not in my favorites. Mm, not up there at all. Um. And I'm looking, and it's not like I don't like the Russo brothers, um, but I'm really hoping this film will bring it back because I have a feeling it will, simply because there are not as many characters, yeah. which is why I think this film is really gonna be a little more focused. Yeah, which, which I'm looking which, forward to. Which I mean, we, we might talk about it a bit next week, but I honestly thought Infinity War was actually surprisingly more focused than people give it credit for. Which I can understand why. There's 50 billion characters. It's yeah. insane. But um, you're right. I think we're going to get an even more focused three hours for this. Exactly, next and I'm looking film. forward to that focused three fair. hours. Yeah, because I think it'll be a lot more fun. Um, I, I, even even Logan Collinwood, like that that movie, that movie was like 82 minutes. As a demonstration of a story, they got in and got out real quick. Yeah. So I, I guess feel they like know they what can to demonstrate do. that. Yeah. Maybe that's why they've probably pushed them more towards these big, giant challenges because maybe they've got like a really clever. Oh, I'm really cutting the crap out, I yeah, guess. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Cutting the fat. So, 
That'll be coming out next week, but thank you for joining us for the Cinema Sideshow. Mm. I was Zeke. I was Jake. And we'll catch you next week with Avengers Infinity War.